right now, Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football with games being played nearly every day. And with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and texts. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Jordan, you're a great professional. Well, tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight, like me. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, Come on, Jordan, go for it, lad. Enjoy yourself. Cheers, hey! Carol. Welcome along to the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall. So Liverpool maintain their 100% home record in the Premier League. But it wasn't quite the bounce-back display from the Manchester City defeat that we were expecting. Why was that the case? We'll talk about it on the pod. There were some positives, though, including a first Premier League goal for the precocious young talent that is Curtis Jones. Also on today's show, why Jurgen Klopp says he needs to be creative in the transfer market and the solutions to that thinking. Is Thiago a possibility? So let's dive in with James Pierce. James, how are you doing? Hi, Steve. You OK? Uh, and a very special guest pulled from the bench to save us, a bit like Curtis Jones, uh, but this one is Neil Jones from Goal.com. Welcome along, Neil. Hi, Steve. Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, right, let's go to James first of all. A bit of a strange week, hasn't it, since Liverpool were confirmed as champions, James? First, the, the City defeat, and then what you'd only describe as a bit of a, a lacklustre display against Villa. What, what lies behind it? Do you know, I think I think it's just human nature, isn't it? I think once you've achieved something as monumental as this staff and this group of players did, I think there was bound to be a, a drop off, and we've and we've seen that. You know, they've they've set such ridiculously high standards over the course of this season with consistency on a level we've never seen from a Liverpool team before. And um, I think Klopp probably summed it up perfectly in in terms of the City game when he he talked about how. They had nothing to lose. We had nothing to to win, and I think you know that was certainly borne out by the by the performance at the Etihad, which was very unlike Liverpool, wasn't it? So many mistakes, frustrating to watch, even though it didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Because I think you know City, when they're on song, can hurt you in so many different ways. The, the goals were just absolutely ridiculously bad from a from a Liverpool point of view, and then yeah, you'd you'd hardly file the win over Villa as a as a resounding response, but you know, I, I just think it's to be expected at this point of the season. Um, you know, no matter what the manager says about keeping momentum going going into next season, you know, I, I'd expect a few more flat performances to come because um, the, the reality is that Liverpool have already ch- achieved everything they really could possibly have hoped to achieve this season. Yeah, Neil, was it only to be expected? I mean, how bothered are the players about? setting new records by either points wise in the Premier League or indeed having that record of winning all your, your home matches I think I think they'll be bothered I think you know especially if you think about the home one I mean that, that is a proud record that spans you know more than more than three years so the idea that you protect your, your castle if you like and no team comes in and, and takes three points out of Anfield or even one point it's, it's a remarkable statistic that I think the last time a top flight side 
did that and won every home game in a single season. I don't think Liverpool have even been formed as a football club. So that is an incredible piece of history that Liverpool could make. They're only obviously only two wins away now from doing that. And I think there will be a pride around that. But I think what you see, a couple of things. I think one, there's nothing that motivates quite like a trophy at the end of it, you know, a, you know, a, a, a real tangible success that you can you can enjoy and celebrate and is there for all the world to see. But also, I think that when when you're struggling a little bit in in these situations, you don't have that the crowd to to, to just bail you out a little bit and you know mm. remind you that you've started poorly, maybe you know just give you a bit of a kick up the backside or or drag you through when you're starting to, to flag towards the end of the game. And you know, it, as James said, it's human nature that you you are going to have a, a slight drop off after you know climbing the top of a mountain. But at the same time, I think Liverpool got the job done on on Sunday. They were as poor and certainly in the first hour, I would say, as as they've probably been at Anfield all season. But they're still able to win. They're still able to get a clean sheet. They're still able to maintain that home record and on course for that points record. So I don't um yeah if that's if that's Liverpool you know finding it tough at the top then I think they'd carry on with it. <laughs> so even Jurgen saw it coming. I mean we all pretty much did, didn't we? But after the City game. Klopp himself was was spiky, wasn't he, James? With, with Jeff Shreves from Sky Sports, it's a it's a side of him we don't see all too often. That's because Liverpool don't lose all too often. But what did it demonstrate about Klopp's mindset? Do you think? Yeah, I think we. I think I think it was after the when Liverpool went out of the Champions League to Atletico Madrid in March. He he described himself then as a bad loser when he, um, you know, if I remember rightly. He had a bit of a pop at Simeone's team and said, you know, I don't understand why they don't play proper football. The reason why he's so adored by Liverpool fans, one of the reasons is because he is so passionate um, about it. And I think, you know, it was no great surprise that his interview with Sky straight after the final whistle at the Etihad was actually very different to his to his written media press conference when you know, it was probably about 20 minutes, half an hour further down the line. And he'd, he'd probably had the chance to cool off a bit, I think, Certainly, when he faced the sky cameras, you could you could see that he was smarting because you know he he won't have just seen that as an irrelevance at the Etihad. Yeah, of course, you know he'd have had a sense of perspective, but as you said, he's not used to seeing Liverpool lose, especially in that manner. I think it, it really did annoy him, and I think I think obviously what clearly got under his skin was the insinuation that Liverpool, their attitude wasn't right and that essentially they'd gone into that game thinking, well, you know, who gives us a stuff about this and, and, and we're still celebrating the title, which which I think, you know, it, it was just a bit of a sloppy narrative, wasn't it? It was a bit lazy because it was anyone who watched that game, I don't think you could question the effort or the desire. I think it was it were just lapses in concentration and, and basic errors that cost Liverpool on the night. And as Klopp said himself, if they'd been more ruthless in that opening 20, 25 minutes, I think the outcome would have been very different. I mean, it's easy to say that that game didn't matter. It's easy in hindsight to say that. But if you dig a bit deeper, was there anything about that Liverpool-Manchester City game that, that does matter going forward, Neil? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you know that you can beat a team, then it, it, I think it certainly helps you. Um, you know, it, it, it helps Pep Guardiola, I think, to, to sort of reinforce something in his players' minds if he's going into the next season saying, you know, listen, you've seen what, what you can do to them. You've seen that they're not infallible. You've seen that they, they have their weaknesses somewhere and X, X, Y and Z. But I also think it maybe it maybe opens up their chin a little bit to other teams. You know, you might you might see teams trying to copy that. I mean, 
it's quite hard to copy what City do if you haven't got Kevin De Bruyne and you know Raheem Sterling and all these fabulous players. But once a team does get beaten and beaten well, you know Liverpool were had a few chances, but you know they were convincingly beaten in the end. And you know it's a it's a scoreline that I think will will definitely have hurt Jurgen Klopp and his players. Once a team's been beaten like that, I think other teams do sit up and take notice and start thinking, okay, what can we learn from it? What can we do that will give us a better chance of of you know getting a result against Liverpool in the future? But on the flip side, I think from Liverpool's perspective, it it, it just you know it recalibrates them a little bit. It says, okay, you know, you might if you were thinking, you know, maybe maybe it wasn't discussed, maybe it wasn't even you know in their minds, but if you were subconsciously starting to get a little bit too big for your boots, or you're you know thinking that you you, you can't be you can't be touched in the Premier League. Well, there you go. You've had two examples. You've had Watford do it and you've had Manchester City do it. Different circumstances, obviously, different opponents. But the reminder's there for Jürgen. He can use that, you know, going forward that if you're, if you're not at it in, in both penalty areas, if you're not completely focused, if you're not, you know, at your maximum, then things bad things can happen to you. So I think it can be used by both sets. I mean, I don't buy into the narrative that it's it sort of, a mark has been laid down for next season, all that kind of thing. I mean, I think that was quickly erased over the over the course of the weekend, to be honest. But I think it it definitely it definitely is something that can be used as a tool, a management tool, certainly. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's there in the background, isn't it? Well, what about this Villa game then, James? I was expecting a bit more. Turned up at the ground. There's that wonderful banner, wasn't there? Liverpool FC champions again in the Sir Kenny Dalglish stand. It it almost made me think, right, great, we've got quite a game in store here. Maybe the team are determined to come out and and prove a point, but it didn't really materialise like that. No, and I think part of that comes down to what Neil said before about the absence of supporters, because I think. You know, I was looking around Anfield, especially during that absolutely dour kind of opening 45 minutes and, and thinking, can you imagine the noise in this place if, you know, that this was a normal first home game after Liverpool being crowned champions for the first time in 30 years? It, it would have been, you know, absolutely electric. And, and that would have, without a shadow of a doubt, impacted on what we saw on the field in terms of the tempo and intensity of Liverpool's performance because... It was just very, very flat. I think um, you know, Villa clearly was set up to just to try and contain and then and to frustrate Liverpool and, and and then hit them on the counter. And you know they did a pretty good job of that. But it was you know Liverpool played into their hands for a long, a long time with just how slow and ponderous and predictable their attacking play was. I think you know, I think it was nearly 45 minutes wasn't it before Liverpool even had a, a, a shot which you know when they when you think they'd had over 70% of the ball just seems uh, ridiculous so it was it was very very disjointed and you know if they'd been a bit more clinical Villa could have made Liverpool pay for that but um, you know in, in the end you know the injection of quality off the bench effectively won Liverpool the game because I think by that point you know Villa were tiring a little bit and then you know, when you're bringing on players of the calibre of Wijnaldum, Henderson and Firmino, um, you know, that made the difference in the end with, you know, it was, you've got to give Cater credit for the, the quality of the pass to create the opener for Sadio Mane. And then you know, probably the moment that most people will remember from the game of the sight of young Curtis Jones scoring his first Premier League goal, because, you know, what a way for him to mark signing his new improved five-year contract over the weekend. Absolutely fabulous, isn't it? And quickly making a mark for himself for such a, a tender age. Fabulous that he's, he's been tied down on that deal and he's he's certainly a scouser who's got very big ambitions for himself and the club for the future, Neil. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, James and I will 
I'm sure James will remember we we were in working together at the the Echo about what four years ago and a colleague of ours Andy Kelly you know well Steve came came back from an under 18s game and said a 15 year old played today for Liverpool and you should remember his name and he said it was Curtis Jones he said he he's got you know his hair stands out and he uh, he so does his talent you know he he wants the ball and he was trying things and I, I always remember sort of making a, a mental note of that, that name and every time I saw him thereafter he seemed to make some, some kind of impact on what, whatever game he was playing in and you know the, the evidence of, of certainly of this season is that he's, he looks like he's capable of doing that at first team level as well if you think about the moments he's had he's only played 10 games for Liverpool's first team but he's scored the winner in a Merseyside derby he's, he's captain the team in an FA Cup tie at Anfield he's scored in an FA Cup tie away uh, he scored a winning penalty in a League Cup game and now he's he scored in the Premier League as well so if you're talking about you know taking your opportunity and seizing any chance that comes your way if, if he's only had I think he played one last season he's played nine this season well he couldn't have done much more to, to get himself in Jürgen Klopp's eye line and he's obviously doing it as well in training because I think it was a big big show of faith in him that he, he comes on at 1-0 in the game you know usually you'd, you'd associate a sort of a five ten minute run out for a youngster with the game being safe, you know, a, a dead game, and it wasn't. It was very much alive, and he brought them on in midfield. I think the quotes from from Curtis to the, the club website, he, he told them to try and get control of the game because he said it was getting a bit too end to end, and uh, he's managed to do that. Looks confident. First thing he did, I think, was have a shot into the cop with his left foot, so he's not uh, he's not lacking on that front, but um, still there in the, in the last few minutes to, to get in the penalty area and and make his presence felt and I, I think that's um, that's going to be the first of many contributions in the Premier League from, from the young man It says that Jurgen Klopp has an awful lot of trust in him at this age James Yeah and, but I, th- and I think Curtis Jones has earned that trust I think you know you, you look at his development over the, the, the course of this season and and he, you know, I think he's he's grown in every facet of his of his game, especially when you think back to when he made what was a pretty uncertain senior debut against Wolves in the FA Cup, and you know on that occasion, you know, in difficult circumstances, you know, he clearly wasn't wasn't ready then. Um, now I think physically you can see that he's grown. You know, he's got the he's got the the stature and the the physical presence to handle himself at that level, and I think you know. Technically as well, I think attitude-wise, you you listen to the senior players and you know how positive they are about him and the impact he's made amongst them at, at Melwood. And, and and I think you know certainly Klopp has, as well has been been really impressed by the way in which he's taken on board you know the the tactical side of the game and made the necessary adjust adjustments to prove that he can he can fit into the system in terms of not just what he does on the ball but what he does off the ball as well. Cause I think when you watched him in the youth ranks, um, you know, there was, you could tell he was, you know, immensely gifted, but you know, there probably was a habit of, of just waiting for the ball to come to him. And then, and then he would come alive. Well, you know, where we know in a, in a clock team, um, you know, there, there's so many other facets to the game you have to embrace. So yeah, I think, you know, it's been, it's been apparent for quite some time that with, with Adam Lallana's exit this summer, Liverpool look upon Curtis Jones as as almost the, the ready-made replacement, and there's absolutely no no doubt that we'll be seeing a, you know a, a huge amount more of him in a in a Liverpool shirt next season. 
the, the mental side of this is huge for young players. There's, there's quite a few young, exciting talents across the Premier League, the likes of Mason Greenwood down the other end of the, the M62. I, I wonder what the difference is, Neil, in actually them maintaining it over a long period. Obviously, the manager and the club's surroundings are a big influence. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think also the, the, the position of the club. I mean, you think a lot of credit's gone to people like you know Frank Lampard for using young players this season. And Arsenal are using a lot of young players under Mikel Arteta. Greenwood clearly has come through. I think Brandon Williams as well at, at United this season in particular. But that tends to be where young players emerge, you know, when, when clubs are sort of in a bit of transition and they're having to change the, the, the focus of the club a little bit, changing managers sometimes, you know, you think of, you know, if, if you look back on sort of Robbie Fowler coming through at Liverpool, that was that was the sort of situation he came into. It wasn't an easy position for the, the club at the time, but it was sort of an injection by bringing in this younger player to, to you know, lighten the mood a little bit and, and obviously provide some quality. I think Liverpool are in a different position to that. They're, they're obviously at the top of their game they have been for the last couple of seasons so it's not as easy I don't think to, to give youngsters Premier League games and, and Champions League games because so much is at stake in every single one so that that's the difference but I think it's, it reflects very well on, on the likes of Curtis Jones and Nico Williams Harvey Elliott who are around the squad that they're still able to clearly train at a high enough level to, to convince the manager that they're worth being part of the squad I mean, the quotes that he come out with on, on Friday at his press conference where he was saying about, you know, how they deserve a medal, whether they play five games or zero games because, because of the impact that they have at Melwood every day. Uh, that, that reflects very well on them. The, the biggest thing, obviously, with a young player and Trent Alexander-Arnold has shown, you know, the, the, the possibilities in this regard is, is can you do it? Can you learn? Can you keep learning once you're in the first team? And, you know, we've seen the development of, of, of Alexander-Arnold over the last... <coughs> Three four years, it's 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 not easy for a young player to do that. We you know we've seen other players at Liverpool, at other clubs who come into teams, and you think, oh yeah, he's nailed on. You know, he's he's going to be he's going to be something for the future, and it's it's not easy for them to maintain those levels. So I think you know very promising from from Curtis and from Nico and from Harvey, but the bigger challenges probably lie ahead. You know, this is this is sort of this is the easy part if you like. You know, mm. showing potential. Now the next thing is to deliver on it. This is the Red Agenda and Premier League football, of course, is back. And right now we're offering a 30-day free trial to The Athletic for a limited time only. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod to sign up and enjoy the best football writing anywhere just as the Premier League reaches its conclusion. Right, we've got James Pearce and Neil Jones from Gold.com. I'm Steve Hoversall. Let's have a look at what Jurgen Klopp's ambitions are for the squad perhaps over the next few months. You've gone uh, in-depth on a piece on The Athletic on perhaps how... He might use what he's already got at his disposal as opposed to going out in the market, James. Yeah, well, Jurgen Klopp spoke to all the written media over Zoom at at Melwood uh, middle of last week and he he was asked about plans for the summer and, you know, effectively he he confirmed what I think, you know, many of us had already written that it will be a relatively quiet summer on the transfer front. I think it's been pretty crystal clear that the club have been massively affected in terms of their revenues by the the COVID-19 crisis. So yeah, Klopp talked about needing to be creative in the transfer market this summer, you know, said that um, largely he'd be looking internally for solutions was, was his, his turn of phrase, which, which clearly means looking towards those, those young players that we've, 
that we've just discussed. I, I still think there will be a, a couple of new additions, but it, you know, it's it's more going to be in terms of adding adding depth. I think rather than than going out and making you know headline signings. We we know that Timo Werner was a a long term target that ultimately Liverpool decided that for financial reasons they, they they just couldn't commit that kind of money to someone who would have been a, a backup so i think it's just going to be a case of addressing areas of the squad that um that yeah they just the where he just needs a, an, another option i think and yeah my, myself and tom warville just put together a piece you know tom is 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 brilliant on the, the with the data analysis and it was come up with some some really interesting stuff there in terms of um you know potential Backup left backs. I think that's. I think most people would agree that that's probably arguably the most pressing concern. Is you know, there's so much work rate expected of Andy Robertson. Liverpool do need a another option there, and you know, he's he suggested a couple of names that that fit the bill. And when you when you crunch all the numbers in in Jamal Lewis at at, at Norwich is is one name that came up, and probably one more surprisingly was Harry Pickering young fullback at, at crew. So I think that that's one area. I think centre half is another one. I think you only had to look at Liverpool's match day squad for the, the last two games where, you know, they, they didn't have a, a centre half amongst their nine substitutes because, you know, Matip and Lovren have missed, you know, a huge amount of football this season. I think, you know, Matip only been available for 65% of games, you know, Lovren around the same mark as well. So I think, you know, that's, you know, clearly Joe Gomez, who, who has excelled in the second half of the season, him and Van Dijk are the best centre-back pairing. But I think, you know, that that lack of cover in that department is probably a concern. And then, you know, and then the other one, which, you know, obviously we've discussed many times is, do Liverpool really have, sufficient high caliber backup for the for the front three because um you know, th- you know that's why i think there was such excitement around Werner because he would have been that kind of an elite fourth option because th- the reality is i think as we've as we saw again against Aston Villa on on the weekend that you know, Divock Origi is a of course he's a he's a legend and and a cult hero for the key contributions he's made you know not least towards the back end of last season but you know, is he is he really someone who you could turn to for a couple of months to play every game if if something happened to the front three and you know I, and I think realistically the answer is no in terms of whether he'd be able to give you anything like the same kind of output. So yeah, there's certainly some areas there that I that I think really do have to be addressed this summer. Right. Well, there's one name online that's getting a, a million hits by Liverpool fans at the moment. So Neil Jones can fill us in on the situation with Bayern Munich's <laughs> Thiago. <laughs> Alcantara. Look, how much substance in these rumours? Hospital pass, that's the Thanks for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, when you say substance in the rumours, the rumours have come from, from Germany and Spain and basically the word is that Thiago would like to join Liverpool. I think that's, that seems to be the sort of the headline line, if you want to call it that. I think that speaks volumes in Liverpool's progress as a club. But also, I think it's quite an obvious thing to say, isn't it, that you know a player with who looks like he wants to leave Bayern Munich after being there for a number of years. He's looking around and thinking, where would I like to play? And yeah, Liverpool would be in the frame, wouldn't he? Top of the Premier League and you know one of the Europe's top clubs. So I think that there is substance to that. In terms of Liverpool, listen, I mean, it's hard to put across really that how much COVID has changed the thinking around transfers. So if you were asking in February or March, Thiago, 29, you know, just turned 29, midfielder, 30 million, let's say, are Liverpool going to spend that? Probably not. But if 
you're talking about Liverpool completely reevaluating their transfer plans due to COVID, and Diego yeah, Klopp pretty much said as much in in the briefing that James alluded to earlier. You know, he said that it's affected ins and outs. He said maybe later in the in the in the piece when the, if the transfer window is still open and we have a better idea of what we're doing financially, then maybe there might be a chance to do something. So whether Thiago falls into the realigned thinking, maybe because he's you know obviously a, a shorter term signing and someone who maybe you can cover the cost elsewhere, then maybe that just does change people's thinking and maybe that does bring him into the, the fray. But if, if you're asking me honestly, it would be a massive about turn, I think, for Liverpool's transfer policy over the last you know, five, six more years where you're thinking, what, are you going to give him a four-year contract, probably maybe a five-year contract? He's going to be on a lot of money. You know, he left Barcelona to join Bayern Munich, so he's not getting paid peanuts. He's an ambitious player who's won titles, international player. He's not, you know, He's not going to be taking a step down in wages, put it that way. So you're going to be making him one of your highest earners. He's 29. He's had a history of injuries. You know, he's a very, very good footballer, but he's missed a lot of football over his time. He plays in a position where Liverpool are already, they keep reverting back to their tried and trusted. They keep having to revert back to their tried and trusted. You know, they've been trying to fit in creative options like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, like Naby Keita, like Adam Lallana, and not quite being able to do so. So, are you going to add another one? Then you've got, you know, we just talked throughout the show about Curtis, who plays in the same position and is someone who, you know, has obviously huge potential. So, are you going to block his pathway? So, there are, there are more obstacles, I think, over the idea of signing Thiago than there are sort of obvious pluses, which the obvious pluses are that he's an excellent player. And, you know, Jürgen Klopp, I think, has mentioned in the past of how highly he rates him. I think when he signed Naby Keita from, from Leipzig, he was... He basically said that Keita was the best player in the Bundesliga apart from Thiago or along with Thiago. So there's obviously a, a you know a good good opinion of him there from from the manager, but without putting too much concrete info over there because there isn't too much concrete info out there as far as I'm concerned. It's a sign that I'd be surprised to see made by Liverpool, but again. I have to caveat that with I've been surprised by Liverpool in the past. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. And I think, as you, as you rightly point out, Liverpool are, are heavily stacked in that area. That That's correct, isn't it, James? So if you look at the number of players they've already got at their disposal in midfield, do, do they really want to add another to that pack? Yeah, well, I think I think that's, that's another thing that you add to the, as Neil said, then quite a long list of reasons why you would be very surprised if it, if it did happen because... In a summer where money is 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 clearly you know thin on the ground and there isn't a massive kitty to play with, you know I, I just think there's there's much bigger priorities in the squad to to address. I think I think you know you to me it would only really make sense if you were about to lose one of your your senior midfielders because you know with, with especially as Neil said with the young players that are, that are coming through. I mean it would. It would just be a transfer that was completely at odds with the way Liverpool have done their business to to get to this point. Um, you know, for someone who's well, twenty nine, as Neil said, with a uh, had injury problems in in recent years, um, and and would command a, a massive salary. I know people would saying that you know, I think Bayern would be looking for out thirty five million, which yeah, you in in normal normally you'd say is 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 very small for someone of his proven quality but yeah i think you know the way the way it's been explained to me was uh, unlikely but but not impossible i think i think you always need to look at where these things are coming from and you know of course 
people close to Tiago at the moment, you know, are, are trying to create a market for him as well. So that's that's bound to be a part of it because we know we know that Bayern are happy to sell him. We know that he's very keen on moving to the Premier League. But yeah, I I would still be surprised if this happened. The, the only thing that you know, that, you know, we know that Klopp has spoken previously about you know just how much he admires him. I know when when Liverpool actually signed Naby Keita, you know, he he talked then about how he felt that Keita and Thiago had been the two best players in the the Bundesliga that season before Liverpool struck that deal and you know and he, he was eulogizing about him again when when Liverpool played Bayern in the in the Champions League but I think it's one to keep an eye on because when when someone like that is available then you know it would I think it I'm not massively surprised that it hasn't been completely dismissed out of hand by people that I've, I've spoken to but as I said unlikely is the way it's been described. So um, I wouldn't be getting too excited about it if uh, at, at the moment. So Thiago, he will be in demand just as Timo Werner was as well. Does it feel to you, Neil, like more and more top players are maybe touting themselves towards Liverpool? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly compared to what, five, six years ago, definitely. I mean, you think about the, the job that Brendan Rodgers had trying to get people to come to Liverpool. I mean... I could, I could really offer a pretty long list, but it it, did, it didn't just include excellent players. It included players like Gilfie Sigurdsson, who didn't want to join Liverpool, you know, because he felt there were better options elsewhere. So Liverpool have definitely improved their their standing in that regard. And why wouldn't you? If you were a certain type of player, if you were if you were a young or sort of mid twenties player who had ambitions to, to win things, to play in England, I mean, which is still a big draw. As much as we can, we can do down the quality of the Premier League sometimes, or, or the weather in England, or all those kinds of things. It's still a huge draw for players to play in the Premier League. It's the biggest shop window in the world, uh, probably outside of playing for Barcelona or Real Madrid. So uh, that's a, that's a huge draw. You've got Jurgen Klopp. I mean, listen, how many people have you seen? Whether it's, I mean, Steve, you speak to ex-players who, who played for some of the greats of the game and. What do they always say to you? If you ever, if you ever ask them, would you like to play for Jurgen Klopp? But what do they say? Absolutely, you know, mm. give me, give me, give me one game. Steven Gerrard says it. You know, God, I wish I'd have got six months just coming off the bench under Jurgen Klopp. I think I remember speaking to Daniel Agger, and he was like, it makes me want to come out of retirement just, just to sort of, you know, he played in a, a postseason friendly over in in Australia, I think, and he was, so you know, it just made me want to want to play again because the impact that he has in the changing room and must have that every single day at Melwood. So. You add all that together, and you are seeing Liverpool as a as a huge package. And I think they're quite. I also think they're quite cool as well. You know, if you think you think the players who who sort of look around and they've got they've got a, a sort of a good sell avenue with the the atmosphere of the club and the sort of history of the club. And now they've got some you know exciting players who are very marketable. You know, you look at people like Van Dijk and and Trent Alexander Arnold and Mo Salah. You know, the iconic players they're becoming, and I think. A lot of players across the world do look at that and think that's a bit of me. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind a bit of that for myself. So I think you will see Liverpool probably starting to set their sights on maybe more established players. Who knows? Maybe Thiago might be the uh, the first the first of that. But I think in the future we can definitely expect them to be competing in them um, in a you know a good bracket of of signings and. I don't think they'll have any any trouble convincing them to come to Merseyside either. It's definitely where every club strives to be, James, isn't it? That they almost don't have to sell themselves too hard. Yeah. Oh, no, no doubt. I think you know you only have to listen to 
or, and read a few recent interviews from Kylian Mbappe. You know, of course, the, the, the finances of, of being able to buy someone like that make it near on impossible that we'll, that we'll ever see him in a, in a Liverpool shirt. But, you know, just I remember reading comments from him recently about just his admiration for Liverpool, what they'd achieved. And not only that, the style of play, I think, you know, a lot, a lot of players are, are drawn to that as well in terms of they, they see Klopp's commitment to to attacking football and, you know, they, they see how close he is with the players. They see how he improves players. I think you only, you know, you look at someone like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain who, um, you know, could have could have earned a lot more money by going to Chelsea when he joined Liverpool. But, you know, you ask him why, why Liverpool, why, you know, you could have, you could have stayed in London and it was, well, because... I, I want Jurgen Klopp to do for me what he's done for for Trent Alexander Arnold and for what he's done for for numerous other players because you know every player wants to be able to fulfil his potential and they want a manager who believes in them and and can really get the best out of them and there's no one better around than than Jurgen Klopp and you know I think not not only does it does it help when it comes to attracting players but but also in terms of retaining the elite ones you've got because you know I think that's a very underappreciated transformation in at Liverpool the fact that you know there's so much an obsession these days with transfers and bringing in new faces and but it, it really wasn't long ago that every summer we we'd have at least one soap opera about trying to hold on to your to your best players and you know the how many times did we see it when Liverpool were either you felt that like they were close to achieving something really special and then they'd lose an elite player and not not able to replace them properly and regress and you know since I remember when Coutinho went to Barcelona Klopp said you know this is a one off you know I, I guarantee you this will not be the start of us of us you know losing these elite players that I've brought in and he you know he's he's delivered on that because why would anyone want to leave Liverpool at the moment you know that that's why I think it would be fascinating to see what happens with someone like Genie Wijnaldum's contract situation you know he's down to his last year and Liverpool have got a decision to make there this summer you know do if he if he still is stalling over signing an extension you know is it the time to cash in on him and get a decent fee rather than risk losing him for for nothing next summer but you know from from Wijnaldum's point of view I just think you know why would anyone want to leave Liverpool at the moment you know you've you, you've won everything there is to win in the last. 13, 14 months, the potential of this side to get even better is absolutely immense. There's some really gifted young players coming through. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think any player has to has to even think about leaving Liverpool to, to realise dreams. Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of the Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. 
Right, you're listening to uh, The Red Agenda. It's a podcast brought to you by The Athletic and is sponsored by Harry's. And Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, uh, two ordinary guys who are sick and tired of overpriced razors. So they developed some amazing quality blades that are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brands. Well, Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. As a listener, you can start shaving with Harry's today and you can claim your trial set for £3.95. You support the podcast and you'll get your set delivered to you that includes a razor handle five blade cartridge foaming shave gel and travel blade cover if you head to harrys.com forward slash the red agenda right now that's harrys.com forward slash the red agenda right let's finish uh, this week's uh, red agenda by talking about the expectations between now and the end of the season so liverpool with an away trip to brighton home to burnley away at arsenal uh, home to chelsea and then finishing at Newcastle. What do you want to see, Neil, in those remaining five fixtures? Five wins, uh, 15 <laughs> points, record record points total, records tumbling ah, all so over it the shop. Yeah, it matters to me. I want to write about something something interesting, yeah. So, I mean, listen, I, I would like to see, I'm biased, but, I, you know, I'm always sort of want to see young homegrown players given a chance. So I'd love to see Curtis Jones start a, a few games. I'd love to see Harvey Elliott get a few minutes, you know, beyond sort of the last you know, stop its time in a game. Love to see Nico Williams. I think I love watching Nico Williams play. He's one of those players that just has this sort of he has this ability to, to be in the thick of it, even when the game sort of isn't really like that. And he's just he's just really sort of all action. And you know, you, that can't be how he produced against Crystal Palace. So it just sort of sums him up really. That he you know he comes on. I think he had about you know, two shots. He nearly nearly set the goal up. And you know, it's just he's, he's playing right back in when he come on for fifteen minutes. So. I think it's. Um, I'd like to see a few of the young players get get a run out. I'm not sure they will because yeah, you probably made that quite clear. I think what he said, but we don't give away Premier League games like it's Christmas. So I, I, I don't think he's going to be swayed by my my sentimentality in that regard. But I'd like to see Liverpool. I think I'd like to see them just just get back to a little bit more of that. The, the Crystal Palace performance, if you like, and produce a bit more of that rather than the, the Aston Villa performance. If we want to want to go go down that road, you know, just a, a little bit more freewheeling, a little bit less sort of constricted, and you know, open up and 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 start sort of putting teams away a little bit. And you know, you, you can obviously there's a, a massive three month period in the middle, but you can draw a, a bit of a line back and say, well, you know, besides Crystal Palace, and maybe yeah, let's go Madrid in the second leg. Of, of the uh, the Champions League game, Liverpool haven't played particularly well for for a while, so I wouldn't mind seeing the handbrake off and Liverpool just getting back to you know a sort of a bit more of a a, a dominant side that that we've become used to over the last couple of years. But I would certainly, I mean, I I mentioned the the um, the stat about the the home record at the top of the show. Really, I, I'd love to see them. I'd love to see them do that. I'd love to see them go the whole season at Anfield, winning every single game. I mean, that is. That's the stuff of uh, of history, and yeah, I'd like to see that this team probably deserves that. You know, they have been that dominant at home this season that they probably deserve that. I'm just looking at that Chelsea game on the horizon and thinking, uh, you know, the ultimate sort of party poopers there. You know, they've done it for City this season, they've done it for Liverpool in the past. Are they going to be the ones that stop them? But I think if Liverpool can can get past them and get past Burnley, then yeah, they deserve their place in the record books. Is that Chelsea game the one that stands out for you, James? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that that definitely is the the one main hurdle left between you know as Neil said a really historic achievement. I think it was it was Sunderland, wasn't it, who the last top flight team to win all 
home games in a in a in a, in a league season it was 100 and, nearly 130 years ago i think it was so um yeah yeah you know that's that's certainly probably the the, the toughest one that that liverpool have got left to play i'd like to see some more minutes for the for the youngsters to be honest i think when you see someone like curtis jones come on yesterday and impact the game like he did um you know i i just think i, th- I think i think at this stage of the season you i, I think about which you know which players are going to be the most energized which ones are going to be the most motivated in terms of feeling like they've still got something to prove to the manager and, and I think that's why I would like to see you know a bit more of of, of Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott especially I, I, you know I, I think I think you can you can almost because of the short turnaround in the seasons you can you can start to have almost one eye on on next season and there's no need to really push and push you're kind of your your frontline stars, if if you like, through all of these remaining games, and even someone like Minamino, you know, I'd like to, you know, where where's he going to fit in in terms of next season? I actually thought he did all right in the the first half of the Merseyside derby, the first game back. Yet yeah, we've seen very little of him since. So yeah, I th- I think I, I think I hope for, you know I know Klopp said last week that you know he, he's not in the process of you know giving giving appearances away like gifts, but I think. You know, when you when you see someone like Curtis come on and do what he did against against Villa, you know clearly that's not a gift. That's reward for what he's producing on the training ground. And you know, I'd, I, you know, I'd I'd like to see a couple of the young play other young players given given similar opportunities. Five to go. Hopefully, uh, there's some more positive stuff to reflect to, and we'll do that on the red agenda in the weeks to come. Thank you, Neil. Anytime, Steve. Uh, and of course, James Pierce, uh, as always. Thank you, James. Cheers, Steve. Uh, loads of great stuff on the athletics and brilliant articles about Liverpool at the moment. Just head online uh, to theathletic.com. Mm-hmm. 